This is the Small Mouth Crush Podcast. If you're a hardcore angler, you've come to the right place. This is a weekly podcast that will interview some of the top smallmouth bass anglers in North America. Travis and his guest will discuss what it takes to consistently catch big smallmouth, and you'll get a glimpse inside the mind of a trophy smallmouth angler. And now, here's your host of the Smallmouth Crush Podcast, Travis Manson. Hello, welcome to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast. My name is Travis Manson, and we have an excellent show planned for you. Getting closer and closer to the end. But there's still plenty of awesome information moving forward. In fact, season two of the Smallmouth Crush podcast is, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of work, but we'll get there. We'll get there together. Hopefully I can, hopefully I can keep providing you guys some great content, both on the YouTube as well as all the other podcast platforms. Before we get to our next guest, let's talk about, of course, the real shot. Quickly becoming the go-to shop for bass anglers across the country. Huge selection. The most sought-after brands in fishing. Guys know it. Kytec, Megabass, Miki, Yozuri, Megabass, Evergreen. The list goes on and on. Go over there. Check them out. All kinds of goodies over there at therealshot.com. Use my code SMALLMOUTHCRUSH15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Very, very cool. We appreciate the Real Shot's support in this podcast all year long. All right, let's bring on our next guest, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike. Mike, man, how are you doing? Good, sir. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm doing well. So for the viewers and listeners that may not know a whole lot about Mike, we're going to learn all about him today. And Mike and I actually, we fished against each other for a number of years. He was... uh, he was, he was one of those guys at the top of the leaderboards when I was trying to figure out how to get a limit back in the day. Watching and, you ski uh, from side to side of the lake over and over again. That's right. <laughs> so you got to do what you got to do. But i um, excited to have you on. I know you know how to catch a smallmouth or two. And I really want to dig in and pick your brain when it comes to smallmouth fishing because you've, you've had some awesome tournament finishes in the past. And I know you, you do some guiding and fun fishing and uh, you, you, you know, dabble in all kinds of different things, both largemouth and smallmouth. But we're going to really specifically uh, talk to you, Mike, a little bit more about smallmouth fishing and kind of what's what makes you unique when it comes to that. But before we go there, if you could just give us a quick intro for anyone that may not be familiar with you, where you're located and, and all that fun stuff. You got it, guys. How's everything going out there? Um I'm from the state of Wisconsin. I'm in a little small town called Rosendale up near Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Uh, been tournament fishing for 31 years this year. Been guiding for 25 years. Mike's quality guide service. Uh, I don't do it full time. I have a full time job doing uh, working with Modern Women of America. So it's been phenomenal with that. Full time guiding would wear me down. I'm getting old. So. Right. Yeah. Uh, been been very success, very successful over the years in tournaments. Uh, uh, me and my partners won three bass boats in many tournaments, uh, many championships, uh, all kinds of different things, state team stuff, everything like that. So uh, a lot of experience at that. And I grew up back in, uh, actually grew up fishing on the Susquehanna back by you in uh, Pennsylvania. I did uh, not know Bush. that. Oh yeah. Eastern. I used to fish the East branch. I grew up fishing up by Wyalusing, uh, Pennsylvania. Wow. That I had a cabin up there every weekend we'd go. How was the fishing back then on the river? Um, if you caught a four-pound smallmouth, that was huge. Mm-hmm. When did you start really bass fishing in Wisconsin and develop that passion for 
tournament fishing and chasing smallmouth? Um, I had a, I, I moved from the Florida Keys to Illinois to meet to be with my wife, and then from there I started fishing tournaments from down there all the way up to here. And uh, literally in my very first tournament, I took second place, and I thought, hey, what's going on here? And uh, uh, back then in the state of Wisconsin, you weren't allowed to call. So the, my partner actually cut my bait off of my rod, went out and finished his limit off of it on that, and he ended up taking first place. So, uh, so it wasn't like it was a nice thing to do, but it was what to do back then. It was weird, but then the state changes their wall, their rules later in life, and it was nice to go out and keep going. But right away, I had a good start at it, and I'm 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 nuts for fishing, as you know. So if there's an opportunity to go out there and go fishing and even make money, let's go. So why not? You know, um, then after seven years down in Illinois, I actually had the opportunity to move up here. And I did. Uh, I was a sales rep for an environmental company and I was able to travel all over the state and do what I wanted to do. Where would you say your I guess your home body of water would be located? Wolf River. The Wolf River is is my background. I mean, I love rivers. I'm a river rat. But literally, I have uh, Green Lake 15 minutes down the street from me. That's over 300 feet. And you want to learn how to catch largemouth and smallmouth anywhere in the country. I'd say it's a great place to learn. Yeah. Well, it has, yeah. Natural, clear bodies of water. I mean, a lot of lakes throughout the country that hold uh, smallmouth and largemouth are very similar to that style of uh, of fishing. There's so many different techniques that you can you can do. What would you say you're, you know, you fished all over the country. Where's your favorite place to, to chase smallmouth? <laughs> Oh, wow. I, I have not been back to the Susquehanna in many, many years, and I would love to get back there again uh, just for memories. Chasing smallmouth, uh, wow. I, I love rivers. It, it's hard to get away from them. The Mississippi's awesome, but the Wolf River really puts out when I really want to. Hard getting big giants there. So I've been to St. Clair many times uh, in the river on the Detroit River. We kicked butt out there one time, and we were just throwing deep cranks and, and snapping tubes. And I mean, that was an awesome, awesome experience over there as well, too. Um, I'm a current nut. So when it comes to current, I love figuring it out and and doing the best in it. And, and there's many tricks that you can do that other people don't even think about. And it just catches more fish. Well, I think we know where this conversation is going to uh, <laughs> steer towards because there's a lot of us that probably have the opportunity to fish rivers and sometimes with current and it's different, you know, it's obviously not a lake. It's, it's different than a great lake. It's different than an inland lake. What are some key things? You know, I'm sure it's all seasonal as well. Could you maybe walk us through a typical river scenario, uh, spring, summer, fall, and what you look for? Let's start out with spring. Uh, for thus, for us in the Northern part of the country, a lot of times that's once the ice starts to leave, uh, you know, obviously other areas in the country, there there isn't ice on these rivers. But how would you approach that when the water temp's low but starting to warm up pre-spawn in a river? And set the stage. Give me examples. If it's a fast-moving water, what, what you're looking for, all that. Well, the big difference between lakes and rivers is, I mean, I you, and I, you used to be a lake guy. Totally were a lake guy. And... Hard part about the lake is you have everywhere to look at. You have everything in that lake to look at to find out where the fish are at. When you're in a river, the current is telling you where they're at. I mean, it literally positions the fish for you. So once you learn how to, to look at those current breaks, then you can catch fish all year round 
in many different ways. Um, when spring first starts, I mean, we're out on the water when it's 45 degrees. I mean, we even have tournaments around here when the ice is first off, we start tournaments and, and you have to go slow. You need to start slow. You need to start light. Uh, you drift baits. Like if you're out East, you, you trout fished, you fish like you're trout fishing. You want to just tickle that bait going across the bottom really slow. Let the current move the bait for you. My, my early spring bait and this, this right here, I don't know where I got, here it is. Tiny oh, zoom. Try. A French fry. Number one bait that's made me the most money. Guaranteed. Really? Yes. That lure, if you just throw it out there and let it do its job and just drift through everything, you'll feel a little tap. They don't drop it. You reel down and set the hook. That is the simplest of things. The faster the current, the little heavier the head you might need. But you want to go as light as can be and throw it up at up current, straight up in front of your boat, and just slowly drift it down through the pockets. And I mean, if they're there, they're going to eat it. It's just something that's washing by them. It's bait. Um, come uh, early season, you want to throw those tubes, anything like that. You want it to be natural. Do not try to overdo it. You'll just work it right past them. When you're jerking things off the bottom, the current will sweep it so fast and so far that they're going so slow, they won't touch it. But the other part is they will also bite very, very light. And sometimes you'll think it's a rock and it's a bass. Sometimes you'll think it's a weed and it's a bass. Uh, they will literally swim with you like it's coming into the to the boat. And then all of a sudden it lets go and you're like, holy crap, that was a fish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the way it is. Um, then once it starts getting up in the mid 50s, you can start doing a heavy jerk bait um, and going crazy. Well, I throw jerk baits all the time. I'm a jerk bait nut. So, OK, um, I, it was weird. One year um, I was reading uh, the Bassmasters magazine and they always they were teaching how do you fish a river kind of thing. And they were saying how you throw um, baits up current, you sweep bait side current. But he even said, and it's one of the top pros that said it. He said, whatever you do, don't fish down current and bring it up because they don't do that. Well, let me tell you, in the spring, I catch a ton of fish bringing jerk baits up structure and catch them like crazy. Reason being is when you're in current and you're bringing a jerk bait down current, that thing's moving a, a mile like crazy. If you're bringing a jerk bait up current, it sits in their face. It literally, you know, bring it up. It just sits there and rolls back even a little bit. Bring it up again. They can't take it. They will try and rip a rod out of your hand, even when it's 45 degrees. Wow. It, that that has been one of my biggest baits ever. I mean, I've been going crazy with that for many, many years. Uh, then later on, once uh, it gets going, the temperatures start coming up in the 50s and stuff. They start moving into the pockets into their channel, channel areas. They'll start moving up on the walls, moving up on the rocks, and hitting the mouths of those pockets being ready to move in. And when that temp comes in, I mean, you can early season, it's nice because they're stacked. You can catch 30, 40 fish in 45 degree water and they are stacked and it's phenomenal, you know, and then you just find another place where they're going to stack up. You just find similar things that keeps going. A lot of times in the spring, they're sitting in 15 to 20 or to to 11 feet, 10 feet like that. Then they move up to the eight feet and the five feet and then they move into the four feet and three feet to spawn. And what a lot of people don't know about smallmouth is they'll move in the back and back of the channels. I mean, all the way in the back, that's the spawn because they need the warmth. They, they need the, the gravel and the rock and they'll figure it out. I, we have a, you know, you've seen them. We have a lot of smallmouth around here where there's pockets and weeds where there's gravel underneath it. And you would think a largemouth be there, but they're smallies. Mm-hmm. And most people will think, oh, I'm going small or largemouth fishing. I'm going largemouth fishing. Like, no, you're not. Then once they start to come in for the spawn, top water season comes in. And most people won't even throw a top water until it's, you know, 60 some degrees and you're throwing top waters for smallmouth. 
if they don't take the bait, they are showing where they're at. And then you throw back with your French fry, your Senkos, whatever you like. I don't throw a Senko. I haven't thrown Senkos even when they first came out. Hmm. I'm a French fry guy. Uh, my, my French fry, I, I, I put it on a, a jig head and I actually thread it on. And when I thread it on a jig head, I mean, I can catch 20, 30 fish off of one, one French fry. And you guys can go through packages and packages of Senkos. Not the not the disrespect Senko in any way. Phenomenal. He did a great job. I'm just not like everyone else. I just don't do what everyone else does. Hmm. So I can skip my French fry as farther than any Senko can go. So well, walk, finish up kind sure. of the yeah. end of the fall, but I want to circle back on the French fry as well as some jerk baits. Sure. Um, but yeah, keep going. Um once the, the spawn comes, uh, then they start protecting the fry and the top water really comes in and they'll freaking just rip it and go all over it. You'll see them traveling four or five feet to come get it. Uh, then they're staying through. And literally all they do is reverse the spring and come right back out to the mouse, go right back down to the to eight to, to 10 feet and then drop down into the deeper water when summer comes. And then after that, uh, once they stabilize a little bit, what rivers fluctuate. So rivers come up, they move up. When rivers go down, they move down. If there's no current, the sucky part is, is the whole river becomes a lake. So that means they spread out everywhere. Wherever they see opportunity, that's where they're going to go. Um, but if there's no current, like I said, it, the rivers become a lake. Then great time to go largemouth fishing too, because then you have slop, you have weeds, and you have wood. So you try and back yourself up with everything. Um, but when I'm smallmouth fishing, I catch a ton of largemouth too. They all yeah. love to, to, to be around the same kind of stuff. But you'll see that the smallmouth will be on the current side of a log and the largemouth will be on the uncurrent side of the log and the inside. So whatever you're working, you're working. You just gotta you just gotta fine-tune your plans of what you want to do. Um, but I mean it's so simple to go fishing rivers. And I, like I said, I grew up on the rivers. I'm a river rat. We literally had a club back when I was a kid and we were called the river rats. Right. So <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's it's just a lot of fun. Um Another heavy thing or thing I do in the summertime is they were saying about bringing things up current where you never, you know, I actually love drinking, dragging heavy tubes, uh, deep cranks, deep jerks, um, and big uh, football heads. And I'll drag them. You know, you have deep, whatever happens in a river, river comes up, you have a shallow flat and then it drops into a hole. All right. Mm -hmm. And right off of that, that, that drop is where a lot of people, fish will sit because they'll come up and they'll sweep up and come up and hit it. Well, a lot of times you have so much current that, that when you go to sweep that lure over top of that drop, it goes way back behind them. So okay. they don't even hit it. So if you throw a heavy tube down in the hole and drag it back up and shake it coming up on the hill and stuff, they whack the hell out of it. And no one else is touching those fish because they don't do those kind of systems. Deep cranks, right. deep jerks the same way. You're bringing it up and shoving it in their face. Hmm. Not just drifting it in their face. You're shoving it in their face. When you have current, though, like that, yeah, are you casting behind the boat or how yes. are you? You are. Yep. Yeah. I, and I do not have spot lock on my, my thing. My trolling motor do not have that. I've used an anchor for many years. I won that head to head tournament using an anchor. Um, and people laughed at me, but yet I got paid and I've got paid for many years doing that kind of stuff. Um, I sent a, a gentleman down. Uh, he was going to fish one of uh, the BASS tournaments down South and no, it wasn't a BAS. It was just a bigger tournament. And I showed him, I said, here, Tie up to a tree. It was real. It was one of those real heavy places where you know the current was ripping like crazy. You threw an anchor out, you're going to lose it because it's got jammed. Mm -hmm. You know, show them how to uh, tie a, a rope up to a tree, and you can have a hundred foot rope, 
and you can literally move your boat with your engine by just steering your engine and your boat's going to go 10 feet to the, to the right. Stir it the other way. It's going to go 10 to 20 feet to the left. The longer the rope is, the more you'll sweep. And you can sit in your boat and literally concentrate on one area for hours. And all you're doing is casting. You don't have to worry about nothing else. You know, and that's kind of what Spotlock does now. But if you don't, don't have the expense to do that, it's a great thing to do. But you're sitting there throwing back behind the boat and you're fishing those structures consistently every cast. And there's no worries about what else you're doing. And if you feel like you just fished that spot out, let another 20 feet out of your rope and you're fishing a whole new spot you haven't touched. And you're still casting 100% of the time. Hmm. Uh, Jimmy and I, we used to actually tie ourselves up to seawalls and stuff and fish pockets because the wind was blowing in many different ways and stuff. We even had to use our hands to pull us down the wall or up the wall to get us in a different different spot. Right. Um, one of my main targets are seawalls. They have every depth there is. They'll sit at the bottom in the spring. They'll sit in the middle as the water warms up. Then they'll come up to the top for topwaters. Hmm. It, it, it's just when the bait fish move to where the bait fish move, that's where they got to be. And opportunities create opportunities. I call them sweet spots. I'm a sweet, sweet spot fisherman. If you see a current break coming in off of something, you need to be there. You need to be somewhere in that area because a current break is everything. And if you look at a seawall and if they have the wood pilings, Every piling is a current break because it comes around and sweeps around that little piling. And then you'll have a little tiny gap area. You can, you'll find spots that literally that one, one little piling will always produce a fish. Hmm. It's very, very wild. I, like I said, I call them sweet spots and I run 30, 40 sweet spots in a tournament. So those that are, may not be aware the the Wolf River's a, I'm going to consider it a medium-sized river. It's not sure. like a river where you're going to see big barges and, and ships like you do on the St. Lawrence. Um, it's the size of Susquehanna, I'd say. Pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. A lot, lot of turns, a lot of different current breaks, a lot of um, man-made structure, a lot of wilderness. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how long that river is, but <laughs> I'm guessing, I mean, it's... Well, it's a two-hour route from Winnicott to New London, so yeah. there's all kinds of things there. Right, right. No, and it's it really long... shrinks down up there. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just curious: can you take those same things that you learned on the Wolf River and apply it to, say, the Detroit River? And and if so, kind of walk me through how you would fish a bigger river system with smallmouth and take those that knowledge with you. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I've been down to Lay Lake. I used my tricks on Lay Lake. We we ran a 450 boat tournament. We took 18th. And we actually, I didn't know the lake well. And my partner says, hey, we got to get back. We got back to the way in a half hour early. And if we would have stayed up in the river, we would have done extremely well. Mm. Um, so we ended up fishing the lake down there and not doing squat. So we ended up, you know, I should have just ran right back up if I could, but I didn't have that kind of time. Sure. Um. So I, I take them there. I've been on, uh, wow. My parents live down by uh, the Leesburg, the, the Harris chain. Use the tricks down there as well. When, when you go out and do tournaments, anybody that's listening to this, when they go to tournaments, everyone wants to go fish like they do down there. Don't. Learn what you're, if you know tricks and stuff that you do here, try those first before you go to that lake or get on that lake. Because these fish have seen all those other tricks. Do what you know best to try that first. And then, I mean, go target what you like to target back home. Go target this. Go target that. You'd be surprised what you will find with what you know and what to do. Hmm. If you switch your game plan and be like everyone else, you're going to fish like everyone else and end up like everyone else. That's a really good tip. I, in fact, I, I remember just the other day, 
I was on another podcast having a conversation about this and they asked how I would fish a different body of water. And what you just told me really resonates, but I always would say, you know, do your research, understand that on Gunnersville, a red rattle trap in spring is, is the buzzword. That's what, that's what catches fish. But if that's not working, fall back on your strengths that you're familiar with. You're telling us though, go straight to your strengths and try that first because those fish have seen that red lipless crankbait thousands of times. That makes a lot of sense. Very true. I like it. I mean, and I mean, you, you're already gamed in, you're already tuned in what you do, Mm -hmm. you know? So if it doesn't work, then you start, slowly going because what a lot of guys do is they'll go down there and start throwing a giant swim bait. They'll throw that chatter bait. They'll throw the, the, the square bill. Oh, I'm not doing any good. And they get depressed and their mind gets off. If you just figure a couple things out of what you know how to do and then can expand on that, it gets to be huge, good paydays. Mm. Talk to me about your, your, your time on the Detroit river. I know you had some good finishes out there. You You were mentioning Maybe <laughs> you were mentioned mentioning uh, deep diving cranks and tubes. What were you looking for um, as far as locating those fish in that river system? Because there's a lot of current there, right? Yeah, but uh, we were using the current to our advantage, and we literally were throwing the, the crank baits behind the boat and bringing it up the current. Um, we would bang into all you you know all the rock walls and rock drifts they have over there. They're just thrown into the system by the islands like crazy, mm-hmm. and you have the little little sweet spots behind them, you know, a little current breaks and everything. Well, we didn't sit behind them because it was so fast to current that your bait would just literally drift right over top of everything. And especially cranks, you come off of a rock rip and you're, you know, you got this dive and it's hitting all this rock and all of a sudden it comes boom like this. Well, you already arced it over top of the fish that were, that you're there. So if you bring it up the current and jam it into that hole behind them, why would they not want to hit it? It's right in their faces. You can literally just take your rod and just pull it a couple of times, let it go back, pull it a couple of times, let it go back. So everything's green. reverse when yeah from your style it sounds like at, at times yes for sure i mean i i actually pull more baits up current in the spring than i fish down current except for the french fry the french fry is a drift bait mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um yeah why not it's in their face i it, you know if you're going slow they'll rep- I, i've had clients out that i have lost probably five six rods because they don't think that a smallmouth will hit hard and it jerks right out of their hands and they just get blown away. And then there's times when you're, you're jerking, especially when it's early spring, you're jerking up a wall and all of a sudden, Oh, I'm stuck. And all of a sudden it starts pulling back. And cause they hit very, very light at times. And then there's times they'll rip it right out of your hands. So jerk baiting in a river, uh, yeah. let's start. I mean, this, is this something you do year round or do you focus more on the spring? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, Spring is definitely where I, I start to sp- focus, but yes, I use it all year round. Um, I've won many tournaments doing it too. Uh, but I mean, there's many, I, I got 10 rods on the deck when I'm going to tournament. Every spot has got three different baits. I want or four different baits. I want to throw into it. Um, but I also throw 10, 20 casts and I'm gone because my sweet spots, if there's not a fish on it, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're bringing the jerk baits up current, it's, it's a minnow coming up. Okay. When you're fishing and you pull up along a wall or rock, which way are the bait fish facing? Hmm. They're always swimming up current, aren't they? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Right. So yeah. why would your bait coming down current be the opposite? So if I bring my jerk bait up current, I'm as natural as natural can be. The bait's hmm. still hanging right in their face. And 
They're because everyone says the fish are looking straight into the current and they're not going to hit something coming from behind. That's why I'm not saying I believe that, but that's what we've been told or that's what's sure. in someone's brain. I really, um, I think you bring up some really interesting points fishing. Well, baits. if you look at a jerk bait, everyone thinks because the erratic action, they think it's an, it's a um, reaction bite, but it, if you do it the right way, it's a feeding bite as well. And you don't, when you're bringing it up current, you do not have to overwork that lure. It's a minnow going up along of a wall or up along a rock pile. And it's a simple opportunity for them to come up and bust it and hit it and take it apart. Mm-hmm. I throw buzz baits like crazy in the, in the, in the probably June to September. I'll throw buzz baits up on the rocks and seawalls and stuff. I've had smallmouths come up uh, actually during a BFL tournament where one came out of the water, smacked my freaking buzz bait, and he knocked himself out. I literally <laughs> net the fish. Come and, on. <laughs> oh, totally serious. I totally serious. Uh, he, I literally net the fish and I'm working him to get him back alive. And the guy goes, aren't you going to put in a live well? I said, I didn't catch it. Right. <laughs> I put in a live well, you know, and I've had three or four of those where they've knocked themselves out. Cause when the water comes up, you want to be as tight to tight to that structure as you can get. You've had three or four that have knocked themselves out. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they'll come up belly up and everything. Um, you sit there and just literally you, you sweep them in and I just, I just re- revive them and let them go. They, they have done it many, many times. You talk to Jimmy, he'll, he, he'll let you know, wow. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Okay. There's, there's a lot going on here. Uh, I need right. to know, basically, is there a jerk bait you recommend or use over others? Is it, is there a deep dive in one shallow? I go, deep, this I color? go, I go medium, I go shallow. I even use suspend dots in the spring and stuff. If I want to go real deep or I want it to sit there a lot, uh, I do it on the main lakes as well. The colder the water, the slower you need to be. Uh, you want baits to, to be in the strike zone. Wherever you think the strike zone's at, you need to figure out. I, I'll throw deep divers up along them too. You know, uh, we did that mm-hmm. down in on Detroit River where the Deep divers are just kicking ass, and if you can find the right walls that allow you to throw at it, go get them because they're 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 down there. Uh, I watch so many of these guys on the Mississippi on TV and stuff like that. They never ever do what I do, which is really blowing my mind. I've never seen anybody work walls or or rock like I do. It just it shocks me. It really does. I've had clients come up here and and we'll be fishing all day with what they normally do and all this kind of stuff. And I said, let's go do some tricks and have some fun. First cast, first cast, first cast. And they're just blown away, you know, and I call them Obadum moments. Why don't you do this? Because, oh, I didn't, I can't believe you did that, you know, but yet it makes so much sense. Okay. If I can picture a, a river system with current, I'm looking at a seawall and it yeah. has, it has wood, uh, you know, to tie up a boat to or whatever the case may be every so many feet. Sure. Um, how would you approach that? And, and uh, let's say it's it's okay. what time of year? Let's just take early summer. Like the spawn's done, we know they're probably relating to that. Uh, what would be what would be an efficient way to, or how would you describe your style of fishing? That uh, if it's early summer, buzz bait, top water, uh, and then probably a fast jerk bait, and you can bring them down current, and you can bring them up current. They will go either way on that. Um, you got to see what the current's doing to the bo- the bait fish or the bait fish near the surface or the bait fish in the middle. Um, wherever they're at, that's the level on that seawall that those fish will be hanging the most of. A lot of times they'll sit just, you know, as you see on the screen in the lake, it'll be two, three feet below them and they come up and sweep down and come down. They also ask like, act like wolf packs. Have you seen wolf packs on the river? 
where they yeah. come up and, and, and it's really weird. People don't think fish work together, but they will literally come up and go out and sweep out and come in and push these bait fish up against the seawall or up against the rock or up against the sand flats. And they will just go nuts. Like you see porpoises do it on, on TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's dead for 20, 30 minutes. And then they're out there. What they're doing is out there collecting more bait fish and they come in and you wouldn't be amazed how many uh, largemouth and white bass will mix in with those schools chasing those bait fish to take care of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just opportunities. They're, they're, they're just taking advantage of the system. So you could, I, there's many spots that if I sat all day on the river, I could easily catch my good five fish limit, but I'm, I can't sit and do that stuff forever. You know, it's just cast after cast. And it, I, I have so many sweet spots that I go to that I just run and run and run I run and gun is what I do. But if I go to a sweet spot and I don't get fish bitten 10 cast, I'm the next sweet spot because I know where they're going to be. When you have that much experience on a particular body of water and, and you know the current breaks and things like that, is there a need and, and how often does that work out where you find something new? Oh, it's not really a need. It's uh, I actually found a couple of sweet spots this uh, last year that really shocked me that really? it would come out of a channel and just a, like a channel coming in the river and all of a sudden it's dropped off. And when you get that drop off coming out of a, a like a weedy channel and stuff, there's clam beds. When you find clam beds on a river system, they are golden. Hmm. And I mean, I whacked probably four, three and a half off of that in 10 minutes. How are you, how are you finding the, the clam beds? Is it by feel? Are you able to look at them on your electronics? How does one even go about doing that? By feel. Um, I've always been a by feel kind of guy because you can go by with your electronics and clams rarely show up very much, but you can see a hard bottom, but it doesn't show that it's like little rocks or anything down there like a cram, like a clam would be. But yeah, you, you can just, I grew up on a feel. I mean, going out in Lake Winnebago, oh, there's gravel, you know, throw, throw a heavy tube. Um, show you something here. You know, here's a three quarter ounce tube in a regular tube. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing here has been magical for me for many years. And we actually learned that out on the Detroit river. That was one place, the first place we started using those heavy tubes. Uh, it's the same size as a regular tube head, but a three quarters, you can drag it up current. You can snap it through weeds. You can, I mean, I, I'm on green Lake and I'm in 15 foot of water and I'm snapping a three quarter ounce tube through the weeds. Wow. I'm whacking them. I mean, and, and everybody thinks, oh, you're throwing in the weeds with an open hook. You're going to get snagged. I'm throwing 30 pound braid with a 20 pound tippet and I'm snagging fish. And hmm. I'll tell you, I, there ain't no snagging weeds because it rips right through. All right. I got it. Jace, yeah. there's a lot of good information. <laughs> Sorry. Here. Okay. <laughs> so a three quarter ounce football head, that's something you're going to use. And you're using with a little bit heavier braid, a little bit heavier setup, not your typical eight pound fluorocarbon leader and stuff like that. Um, I'm assuming you're using a longer seven, seven and a half foot medium rod. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, not medium and heavy, a uh, medium heavy, heavy, not heavy medium or not, heavy. not medium. You don't want that bend. You want, you want a fast tip and that's it. All right. Let me write that down because <laughs> I'm trying to crack a tube out of, with a medium rod. Oh no. Now, in open water, that's fine. Bend. You don't, you want to rip that weed. That's all you're yes. worried about. In open water, I feel that's fine, but I, yeah. that's why I'm t- trying to drill you here when it comes to grass fishing. Oh, so dude. you're throwing that exposed hook. Are you? On an edge? Are you deep inside? Are you wherever you? I'm, in, I'm usually on top of the weeds, throwing out. Um, all depends where the fish are at that time of year too, because you, we have you know the flats on Green Lake and stuff. You can be over there, and there'll be rock pockets, and um, within those pockets, you have you know on the outsides and around those pockets, all kinds of weeds. 
So I could be an eight foot, you know, thrown in the 10 foot. I could be all kinds of stuff where I'm sitting on top of the weed bed, thrown out and bringing up that edge. Now, here's okay. the, here's here's what really gets you in the shock is if you're on a weed edge and it's clear body of water and you throw out past the weed edge. Right. OK. That bait is coming up that hill with a with a, an action. Agreed. So if there's fish sitting on that weed edge and they're looking out, they see it coming for a freaking long ways. They know it's coming and you'll catch fish more times on the outside edge than you will on the inside. All right. So now wait, now wait. So now when you get to that edge and you're snapping into it, they get overexcited and they freaking slam it. It's a reaction bite and it's a feed bite as well. Okay. I'm going to give you a scenario. Go for it. Very large hump that comes up to say eight feet of water and you Mm -hmm. got 20, 25 on the edge of it with a pretty good slope. And this grass is in that eight to, you know, eight to 10. Yeah. You would actually, so, so you would attempt to put your, to move your boat right up on top and then cast out first. Okay. First and foremost though, that hump top is a feeding spot, right? Agreed. Yep. Agreed. So they only feed what? 10 to 20% during the day on the top of that spot. So where do they go after that? Somewhere on the outside edge, they'll sit. Agreed. Mm-hmm. So now I can anchor my boat on top and I have every freaking direction to figure out that thing out. Now, a lot of people will sit there and throw a small tube or something small or and literally just drag it up the hill and everything like that. And it's going to take them an hour or two to finish that doing that circle. Agreed? Mm-hmm. So now, if I'm throwing a heavy snap tube and I'm coming up that thing and their fish doesn't bite, I just covered that whole circle without wasting time, not finding any fish. But if I did get bit in a certain area, guess what? They're in this certain area now. They move okay. off to this spot. Different wind now, different winds and different currents will move them around that spot. So that could always change. But on that day, they're there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you got to think, you can always think it's, oh, it's only going to work on that spot. But yeah, I go out on the humps on Bego and everything. I'm throwing out. I'm not throwing on top. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do that stuff. I I'm don't, you know, I, like I said, I'll come in, I'll fish that top real fast. Cause if there's a fish there, it's going to hit right away. Mm-hmm. But if I'm throwing out, I'm doing a reaction bite. All right, so we're on top of the hump. You have the right setup, the right rod, medium heavy, braid to floral carbon, pretty heavy, three quarters ounce weight. Walk me through your cast and how you're bringing that bait up. <laughs> you cast it a mile. Okay. <laughs> that thing will throw as far as you want. It's, well, you got to realize on Winnebago and stuff like that, uh, it's a pretty big flat. It isn't like it's a major drop or anything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can cast it a long ways and you're covering hundreds of yards going around the whole circuit, you know, and you can do it fast. Green so, Lake's the same kind of way. So let's say you cast it and there's, there's 20, 30 feet before the grass starts. I, I, Are I you dragging it? it? I'll sweep it and drag it. So I'm feeling the bottom what's out there. If it okay. feels like it's sand and gravel, then I can do some other little tricks, you know, wiggling it through, snapping it up a little bit like a crayfish. Make your tube look like a crayfish, a couple okay. double pumps and then let it sink a couple double pumps and yep. it'll do so, it. So you're now doing that and all of a sudden you get into that grass. Now yeah. you feel the grass and you're like, okay, I'm stuck. Now what right. are you doing? Never stuck. Okay. Right, right, right. But you're caught in it, which is a yes. good thing. Yep. You rip it. You rip it. And what's you that look like? I mean, you're, describe I, I that, you describe that to you're us. You're ripping it like a strike. You're ripping it like a set in a hook. You want to rip that thing through there. And when you go to rip it and there's a fish on there, you better hold on to your rod. And there, I've lost two rods with clients losing on, on bites like that mm. as they go to rip it. And there's something that's just, just took it right out of their hands. And I, I literally found one rod the following fall. Uh, <laughs> wow. It was pretty wild. Yeah. I had to, that was pretty wild, but I mean, I, 
it, the bites is, is awesome at times. And there's bites where you go to rip it and it feels like a giant weed. And all of a sudden the fish comes jumping out of the water. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, they, they love it. And it, I, I am not, I have a lot of people that say, I tell them I rip it and they say, well, I keep getting grass on my bait. They're not ripping hard enough. You need to rip that thing. That thing is a reaction bite. When that thing goes flying away and it goes hit. And also with the three quarter ounce weight, you know how fast they drop. So mm-hmm. when they drop fast, it just, Oh, there goes something. I got to go get it. You know, yeah. and that's what they do. It's a reaction bite. React. I live off of reaction bites. I love Dude, that. Got me excited. Oh, well, you're over there by Washington and everything like that. I, I, I've always told you, you got to go and learn a river and how to fish some of those stuff with me, but mm-hmm. no, you never did. Right. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But you okay. could be over there and all those, all those lakes over there. I guarantee they'd never seen a snap tube. Have you ever mm-hmm. thrown a snap tube over there? <laughs> Open water. Open water. No, Not like it, through the grass, like you're explaining. Yeah, exactly. It is crazy. It's actually Here, got me thinking. I mean, I know how to. Crazy. Okay. Now you have the heavy, you have the heavy head. That's from, yep. a bite. That's from bite me. That's yep. uh, Mark yep. Zona. Mm-hmm. And then um, you do the three quarter and then you can actually do a half ounce. So that, you know, as you know, the speed different is totally different, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I mean, here they are in a tube. It looks the same damn size of any other tube you throw. It's right. just, it's just the heavier head. Do you prefer than like a standard three and a half, three and three quarters? Uh, actually, well, you guys know, um, uh, Dammer up at get bits. He, he poured me a bunch of, now here's a half ounce, small tube. I throw a two inch, two and a half on that. A buddy of mine asked me to, uh, fish a lake that I've never fished with him before. Uh, this year, and it was a small lake up by Wapaka, and it was a tournament. I've never been on, never even seen the body of water before, and he didn't know anything about it much either. And I, I said, well, what are we going to do? And he says, I said, well, I, well, I'm looking, and as he was up at the, the check-in, I'm looking at the lake, and I'm seeing different splashes coming up on different points of the lake. And I said, I, as he came back to the boat, and I said, we're not going to even freaking start the big motor. We're going fishing right out here. And I literally put this little tube on right here, with the half ounce, it's all just a little, little two, two and a quarter or two and a half. So, and it had the half ounce in there and I snapped that whole leg and we took second place. What size and, hook is that in there? That's, that's perfect for that small tube and it's oh, half it ounce. Is, yeah, it is beautiful. Wow. I, mean, I don't know size of hooks and stuff. I don't pay attention yeah, yeah. to what, what goes into my fits, bait yep. hooks. And yeah. Dan, Dan is phenomenal at helping out and stuff like that. And I said, here's what I need. Any chance of doing something like this? Oh yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it done. You know? And so. Mm-hmm. very phenomenal with that he's a great guy to do that kind of stuff. so if you could get away with it because th- i'm a smaller tube guy i'm that two and a half two and three quarters i mean yeah. that's my zone sure um I but can- you're also an eight pound and ten pound test maybe or even lighter yeah i i don't I, when you're snapping that's that's on a that's even on a spinning rod now all right mm-hmm. that's on a spinning rod with a 15 pound braid and 15 pound tippet i do yeah. not finesse fish i am power fishing at all times but i still look like i'm finessing I, I, you know, the only time I finesse fish is if I'm working current and it's really, really cold and that's being, but I don't drop shot. I hate drop shotting <laughs> and you throw at it. I know, but I listen, this is, this is good stuff. We are, um, man, we're deep into it. I have a, a bunch more questions, but I do got to, um, we got to take a quick break here and Go we'll be it. right back. You're listening to the small mouth crush podcast. Don't rush out to the water just yet. We'll be right back after this break. So, hey, guys, I teamed up with Beast Coast to help design a killer little football jig. It's called the OW, Open Water Sniper Jig. It's great for largemouth, spotted bass, smallmouth. Designed 
to give you all the fish catching characteristics. The jig is like never seen before. Well, if you watch the uh, Smallmouth Crush podcast with Paul, you know that's where the idea came from. Call it the magic bug. Call it what you want. It is a cool little finesse jig that definitely puts a lot of fish in the boat for me. You can check them out over at Beast Coast Fishing or Tackle Warehouse. A lot of great colors. Pumpkin, melon, sexy melon, and of course, Mothman. Straight black. Nothing wrong with straight black, that's for sure. Fewer strands, and the bait's really designed to emphasize the trailer over the jig. Tungsten resin, great hooks, and some killer, killer colors with a little bit less strands than you might be used to. I fish it anywhere there's open water, rock, same place that you'd fish a tube is where I would recommend throwing uh, the Beast Coast. OW Sniper Jig. So go check those out. Let's get back to the podcast. We're back to the Smallmouth Crush Podcast with your host, Travis Manson. I don't even know. I don't even know. There's so many questions. Let's we gotta get back to that French fry because <laughs> for one, listen, I am a fan of the French fry and oh, we throw yeah. it for largemouth on the Chesapeake Bay quite a bit. Sure. But I bet you I can count on one hand the number of smallmouth I've caught on a French fry. No, you're like, well, I've caught thousands, Travis. Tell me why I need to be throwing a French fry, man. Convince me. How natural do you think it is? I mean, come on. It's the size of a worm. Uh, And I throw it on a spot stalker jig head. Um, Usually one one eighth ounce uh, head on there, but it also has a wire guard. Like, a you know, so it's got a weed guard on there, a wood guard. It's not, you know exact science or anything like that you throw it out there and you just literally just twitch it along and it drifts through the current and they just pick it up and snap on it it's just the way it is what's your favorite Um, color green pumpkin and watermelon seed those are the two colors that i throw the most if and if they're not going to hit those they're not going to hit french fries uh every now and then when the water gets crazy i'll throw a real dark uh june bug or uh even a chartreuse pepper and I mean, those are the four colors. That's it. And I rarely even throw the other two. It's just the first two. I, I That's my dream. That's what works. It's really weird in clear water. The green pumpkin works great. And then on the the rivers and stuff, the watermelon seed works great. Um, but you can swap back and forth all day long. How about a lake setting? You think there's a little bit of uh, uh, times when that would maybe I'll produce other baits? Uh, early spring, uh, Jim and I have proved it many times. We pull back in the channels and a lot of people when they, you know, most fishing shorelines. Well, when in springtime, they come up on the side of the shore and then they back down into the channel. They come up to the side of the shore and they back down the channel. Guys will come in first thing in the morning and literally fish the sides of the walls and their boat sitting right on top of the damn fish. We'll come right down the middle of that channel with a French fry and whack the crap out of them. Hmm. Uh, it's just something they don't see. Again, I do things people don't do. But now with this podcast... Um, <laughs> I've got competition. Right, right. You just got to um, fish harder. That's all. Yeah. But pe- people in Wisconsin, they, they've known me using a French fry for many, many years. I mean, yeah. I've, I've fished many states. And for you guys down in, um, down south with spots, use these smallmouth tricks on your spots. I mean, I've been on the Coosa River. I've nailed giant spots down there with doing my little jerk bait tricks and my French fry. 
that's actually the French fry I brought in our first limit when we were uh, doing that big tournament down there. And then we went jerk baiting and just upgraded like crazy. Well, those spotted bass set up very similar. I would imagine well, those rivers, exactly, just like a small, exactly like a small mom. Yeah. Wow. They, they love it. Uh, the big Coosa river stuff. I mean, it, it, any current breaks there, they're going to whack on them. you go up to a seawall or a big rock bluff down there and you throw a jerk bait down that, those walls, you damn well better hold on, especially for those Coosa spots. Hmm. They will hurt you. So, Mike, I ask everybody on the podcast two questions. I think I already know what the answer is going to be for the number one question when asked. If I was to give you one bait for the rest of the year to fish for smallmouth, what would that be? It'd have to be a French fry. Exactly. I figured that already. Um, color, green pumpkin? Green pumpkin. Green pumpkin. Very good. Very good. What's your biggest smallmouth? Personal best? Six and a half. Six and a half. Nice. Where did that come from? Sturgeon Bay. Sturgeon Bay. Yeah. You act like, like, uh, Sturgeon there's a lot of them there, you know, that's not yeah. saying much up there anymore. I mean, you, you know, how, what's your biggest one up there? Uh, eight, but that was years ago, man. It's oh, probably oh, never oh, going to get broken. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know? seem so excited to say that, you know? Well, I'm just saying, I don't think it'll ever happen again. I mean, I hope the way it's going up there. Yeah. They beat the heck out of the place, but you know, it? travel yeah. from side to side too. You never know. Right. But, uh, what I wanted to go back to the one the things that you were talking about doing something special when, uh, fishing with Brian Keller. All right. We fish mm-hmm. down on Gunnersville. Uh, I fish a lot of neck down areas. I love neck downs and especially when there's bridges around and down there, bridges are famous. Well, mm-hmm. we went back into an area uh, pre-fishing and it was all flooded. Everything was flooded like crazy. And there's one bridge going back into another pocket and there was a foot of water to go under that bridge. And I just started skipping. If you guys don't learn to skip and skip with a good spinning rod, heavy rod, whatever, I was flipping five pounders in a boat with my spinning rod. Uh, we were uh, skipping a little tiny three three inch uh, swim baits up under the bridge and everything, and they were there. They was coming in to go spawn back in that back bay that you couldn't get to. Hmm. So if you find places like that, don't you know? Going back to the tricks that we use up here, I, I'm throwing a three inch swim bait on Gunnersville and catching fish. I mean, I caught a nine four down there when I was there. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, you can catch fish like crazy if you do what you know to do. Um, but when you try to switch up and do what they're doing down there, they've already seen it. They've already so seen true. it. So, you know, go to something a little different, but I'm, I'm catching five pounders. We took ninth place in that tournament and I took second big bass and we were skipping a freaking little swim bait up under a bridge and they were coming and going and coming and going. Um, mm-hmm. so you learn to skip, learn. I, I even have fish when I'm say what post spawn and everything, and you skip a bait, they will chase it and hit it on the skip. Um, you ever get in the time of the year when you're throwing lures across the body of water and all of a sudden you see the, the fish move out because you just scared the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you skip the bait, they will chase it instead of run away from it. Hmm. That's a major trick come probably post-spawn, even early spawn when they come up to get warm in the water. You know, when you throw a bait, you literally see the wakes move away. Well, you just scared the shit out of them. And if mm-hmm. you throw and skip a bait, it'll go right up to it. But when you're fishing seawalls and, and channels and stuff like that, Skip your bait right up against that dang rock. Do not try to flip it and pop it because it's just going to make noise. Um, you could skip that thing. You skip underhand, sidearm, all kinds of things. I mean, skipping is huge in our time of time. And then I go to a bass assassin uh, come mid mid uh, time uh, where I can skip that thing into the logs. I can skip that thing everywhere and anywhere. No one else does it. No one does it. And I catch four and five pound bass doing it all the time. And I actually have spinning rods that are, uh, bait casting rods that are heavy bait casting rods made for spinning rods. Hmm. And I'll put 30 pound braid straight right on there and I can throw it over slop. I catch a ton of fish on slop and I catch a ton of fish back in the trees and I catch a ton of fish in lily pads and stuff. 
And the smallmouth, when they're up there, they look. Throw it along the rocks, throw it on the seawalls, they'll go nuts. And you can skip them under docks like crazy. So that's uh, soft plastic jerk bait. Is that what we're talking? Yep. 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 It's it's exactly like a Zoom fluke, but it's heavier. Uh, it's a solid body. And when you glue it onto the head, you can catch four or five fish on it. You know, it doesn't rip as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fluke does not skip anywhere near as far as that is. And I have people argue with me all the time, and I have to prove them wrong. <laughs> right. It's just the way they are. I'm just thinking, man. <laughs> You're like, going, what the hell did I do that back there? Why so... did I do that? <laughs> You got you got a piece of structure. You got a little rock pile. Yeah, you're skipping that bait to land in the water, not just flipping yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. It's a reaction bite there too. They're like, oh, oh, oh there goes the bait. I mean, uh, you know when the we call them pikeys up here. When the small pike come out in the in the from the backwaters and uh, when water starts coming down from spring rains and everything, they come pulling out. And literally, I have seen a a white bass, a smallmouth, and largemouth chase the same dang pikey because they're like candy. I don't know why that one fish or that one minnow is just so special to them, but they come out and crash that thing like crazy. And that is the perfect time to start skipping a, a bass assassin around. So they like baby pike? Baby pike. They love baby pike. You so get done like, at the end of the day, you'll see them spitting them up. So pike that were born that spring. Yes. Yeah. And how big are they about? Maybe two and a half to three inch max. Do they have a certain color? Are they darker green? Do they look like, a, like you would pale. picture a pike? When the sun, they're more pale to start with because they're still young. And But once the sun starts coming out and they get near the surface, they start darkening up on their backs. They'll start turning green. Mm-hmm. But then they're still more pale on the, on the bottom. But, I mean, you go up to a couple of different bay entrances where they come out of, and you'll be just amazed that the fish is blowing up at them when they come out. It, it's Especially when the water's dropping fast. The water's dropping fast. You got to go pike, uh, pikey fishing. And okay, so the, so the pike so the pike spawn back in marshes where there's current and rivers, things like that, little streams. They're they're young hatch, and then they're kind of hanging out. Yeah. And you're telling me that when the when the water drops, that's pushing them back out to the main river, right? Sure. I, that's okay, what's happening? Here's a scenario where I'm at. Um, I live well. This river I go to see down here is probably eight miles from Lake Winnebago. But the pike come all the way up into the marsh over here, eight miles away. I mean, it's a small, small creek where you drive over with a little tiny bridge and everything on there. Mm-hmm. And you can go in there and you'll see four four foot freaking northern just laying there. Yeah. And I'll go over there every spring. So that's where the, they spawn at. But now the spring rains have brought that creek way up. You know, it's a nice size spring. Mm-hmm. Once that water stops dropping, those pikeys are going to get stuck back in there. So they move out and they move mm-hmm. right back down the main lake at some point in time. They don't stay there and live until they're four feet long. Sure. They're heading back yeah. out. So when they come out, just be there. And I mean, they'll, they'll be, they'll be in the rivers too. You'll see them when they'll travel back and forth in rivers when there's a lot of them and everything. But I mean, you'll see fish chasing them like crazy and that's what they're going after. Hmm. And, and, and pikeys, they skip across the top of the water. When they're getting away, they skip. It's really wild. They're jumping out of the water to get away from whatever's chasing them. And they skip across the water. You don't see shad or anything like that. Do that. You know, you'll see the, the wave action of a shad, but you won't see skipping or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Pikeys will be jumping out of the water to get away from fish. Nice. And that's when they get really excited. Sure. Yeah. Jeez. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. All right. I'm going to, um, I'm going to invite you back on a live show at some point. I think you got some amazing knowledge and we'd love to pick your brain. And if you're willing to give out a little more secrets and maybe elaborate on this one, I know we're going to have a lot of, a lot of good feedback after this podcast. So perhaps sometime uh, over this winter, Mike, if you're available, we'd love to have you on. Uh, one of our live shows because I think you, um, man, 
it was a very, very good conversation here. How can people follow you? I know you have a guide service. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, how they can contact you? Uh, I've been working uh, Mike's Quality Guide Service for 24 years now. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm not a great Facebook person, just so you know. Uh, just if you get on the onto the, the website, give me a call, uh, whatever you want to do. But you can also put messages on there, whatever you want to do. Talk to me. I'm just not a great Facebook person, just so you know, and warn you. Uh, I've designed lures over in the past and things like that. I, I, there's so many things to talk about. There's just so much out there. If you have questions, send me a question. I'll answer it as much as I can. Uh, the biggest problem I have with a lot of people is they want to come out in the boat and they don't cast. They don't know what they're doing when they go cast or anything like that. Get in the backyard and practice. I mean, that's where you need to practice your casting. It has not, to, you don't want to get your boat out on the water and piss yourself off all day. Get in the backyard, put some targets up. I had a dad call me one time. He says, Mike, my son just loves to fish and wants to learn how to be better and all this kind of stuff. And But I tell you, when we go out, we just don't catch him. I says, well, how's he casting? He says, oh, and I said, make a challenge out of it. You go back there and you challenge him, put dollars on it, put chores on it, whatever you want to do, and challenge him to go and you guys do a competition. And you'll be amazed that you'll be coming home from work and he's out in the backyard practicing because he wants to kick your butt. Hmm. So get it done. But uh, yeah. I also wanted to show you guys one of the lures I designed. Absolutely. If you see on here, can you see it? I'm not sure where we're at. See that That's bill? That's pretty good. Yep. yep. This is my swim jig. All right. Here's the big hook. It's got a weed guard and everything like it. Nice and blue, everything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's got an adjustable head on here. All right. You see that head? Yep. You can turn it this way. You can turn it this way. And what that does is it swims to the side. Mm-hmm. You turn it to the left. It goes left. 10 to 15 feet, turn it to the right. It goes right 10 to 15 feet. So if I'm fishing a seawall and I throw this thing down there, I don't have to throw my bait right on the wall. I can throw it five feet out, 10 feet out, keep your line up in the air a little bit. So when you start reeling, it zooms over there, let it sit there and it will bang as you're reeling. It will bang into every structure that's in that way of that seawall and it'll come up. How many fish, you know, that when it bangs off of something won't go after it. It's a reaction. Bite. Right. Right. When you're banging into things, you're getting bit. Absolutely. So you've got to do things. I, I do that with a swim bait. I have a, a buzz bait and a spinner bait to go as with it too. Uh, they're pretty cool. A lot of fun. Buzz bait fishing is one of my favorite things when the smallies are on that because they, they just tear it up. They literally will come after that thing like crazy, especially when the pikeys are out. And if it's the right time of year, it's a good time to be out. But yeah, it's just, there's so many tricks of the trade to do that it just puts fish in the boat and most people just concentrate on flipping and pitching and all this kind of stuff. I, it, it doesn't make sense to me to do the same thing as what everybody else does. It just I see doesn't. that. Just I doesn't. see that. Yeah. That's my, my biggest takeaway is, is perhaps fishing a current section a little bit differently, reversing how you would normally fish it. Yeah. Of course, you got me thinking about that French fry. Now we're going to be cracking a tube and some grass a lot more. I want you to tell me how you do down there. Because yeah. I know that works everywhere. I do it in Florida. And I, I even had mm-hmm. Tom Mann in the boat. We were, I did a guide trip with my sister down there. And we were fishing a weed bed and stuff. And, I, and I'm like, do you have any tubes? And he's like, what do you mean? I said, you have any tubes? He goes, yeah. And I said, well, yeah. But I had to do a Texas rig because they didn't have any of the tube heads. Sure. And I threw a heavy tube out there. And I started cracking them. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> he learned something that day. Mm-hmm. But I've learned from him, too. He was throwing a, a shallow um, Carolina rig with a lonely small little weight on there. I don't do that. And I was really surprised he was whacking them on that. But we had a fun time whacking it with everything. And I showed him my lures. We went to a reed bed and I took my lure and put it up there through the reeds and it hit every reed going through. And he was like, what the hell? 
So yeah. it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Good stuff, Mike. Thank you for coming on. We are going to get you back on a live at some point in the future. No problem, buddy. And really, really appreciate this. Oh, thanks to the real shot. They're great nice. guys. Brian's been a good guy with me. Um, yeah, get up there and get some of the stuff. He's growing like crazy and can help you out with hunting, fishing, all kinds of different things. Absolutely. So, all right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you on the water. All right. Practice, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show and follow us on Instagram at Smallmouth Crush. Also, the YouTube channel, Smallmouth Crush. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a five-star rating and comment with a review below. And as always, until next time, we'll see you on the water. 